What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And today's episode, I had another special guest on the show. We've just been just been bringing in heavy hitters left and right. I had Cam Brown to join me. And we kind of touched on pretty much everything, like why your metabolism adapts when you eat very little and how to boost your metabolism to make fat loss easier and why the simple answer might be the most effective answer and why your brain might resist that simple solution and how to maximize your time even if you have a busy schedule, how to get results even if you are a mom and you work and you have 10 million things on your plate. Yes, you can still get it done. How do I know? Because I brought on the expert. Cam is an amazing nutrition coach, is somebody that I've known for a while now, and I've seen up close and personal the the work that she's doing, the transformations that she's created. Um, She's in my group of coaches that um, I've been working with, and uh, she's doing some incredible stuff. The reason why we get along so well is because, like myself, she is a no BS person. So you will hear some raw truth. She's not going to sugarcoat it, and I, I really appreciate you know, that's my style. I appreciate that style. Uh, I think it's what we need. Even sometimes if it's not what we like, it's often what we need. So you're going to get some some truth. You might get a gut punch or two in here. Uh, we might be challenging you to let go of some excuses. But at the end of the day, if you do let go of those excuses, if you do overcome some of those limiting beliefs, if you do get out of your own way, you know what's on the other end of that? everything that you want, like literally everything that you freaking desire is on the other end of that. So maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's worth sitting with it. Maybe it's worth allowing it to to process and percolate in your brain and then take action. Listen, and then take action. That's always the formula for success. Listen, absorb, and then implement, take action. And you will do things that you never imagined possible or things that you did imagine possible. You just never actually did it. Let's change that. Let's get you to where you want to be. Um, If you enjoy this episode, I would love it if you shared the love on Instagram. So what you can do is you can take a screenshot of this episode and you can post it to your stories. And you can tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. You can tag Cam at Cam B904. That's C-A-M-B as in boy, 904. And please subscribe and follow the show wherever it is that you listen. So if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, just hit the follow button or the subscribe button so you get notified when new episodes are released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And this episode is normally when we do a giveaway. However, Due to extenuating circumstances, aka, I'm not currently in the country. I mean, I am right now as I'm recording this, but when the episode comes out, I will not be in the country, which means that there's there's a lot of reviews that still need to be delivered before I pick a winner. And since I won't be in the country and I won't be doing the giveaway, I'm going to do two the following Wednesday. So to make up for it, Anybody who leaves a review from now until next Wednesday, there's going to be two winners. And we're going to pick two winners. You get a free supplement of your choice from one of our sponsors, Cured Nutrition, Organifi, or Legion Athletics. 
And that's it. I think that covers everything. Let's just get right into the interview. All right. What's up, everybody? I am joined today by another special guest. I have Cam Brown joining me on the show. Cam, what's going on? Thanks for thanks for jumping on. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, I always like to start the same way because I'm always fascinated why crazy people like us decided to get into this industry and do what we do. So I'd love to hear your backstory, your origin story. Uh, I know I've known you for a while now, but I actually don't know where it all began for you and how you got to where you are. So start as early as you want and fill in the gaps. Yeah, definitely. So I would say that I'm probably the more traditional backstory for how this started. Um, I was a athlete all through my younger years up into college. Uh, I actually played lacrosse at the University of Florida. Um, So that definitely fueled my fitness side of it. I was a double major at University of Florida for nutritional science and exercise science. So I finished there. Um, After college, I would say I definitely had my little time of where I was like kind of over fitness and nutrition. And I went to bartending and working at some breweries. So I had like a little fun period, uh, which is when I met my husband and we had our whole dating experience and things like that. And then We got married, obviously, found out I was pregnant. Um, And for the first time in my life, I like wasn't regularly working out Uh, during my pregnancy. I actually gained 70 pounds and then Rowan came out and was like seven pounds. And I was like, wait, what about the rest of this? Because I was told eat for two. Uh, (laughs) And that's kind of what jumpstarted me back into my passion with fitness and nutrition, I immediately started working as um, a head trainer at Burn Boot Camp, actually, um, because I could bring Rowan with the childcare. Once she was old enough to go to a real daycare, I switched to Orange Theory. Um, And then while I was at Orange Theory, we were, of course, doing a bunch of eight-week challenges and things like that. And everybody knew I had a strong nutrition background. So all the members would always come up and ask me for strategies for the challenge, which actually led me to hating eight-week challenges because every member that I talked to failed miserably and then would feel defeated. And then that's kind of where I was just like, screw this. I need women to stop focusing on eight-week challenges and getting disappointed when they don't get results, but still doing it multiple times a year. And so that's when we kind of launched into the more nutrition side of it. Awesome. I love that. I didn't know there's there's a lot of us who uh, had that stint as bartender. I bartended for like 10 years um, and I keep seeing little pockets of like other coaches who are like that. I was bartending at this time. So um, maybe there's something to it with the the bartending and fitness connection. Um, so and I also didn't know that you worked at Orange Theory, which is which is fine. I, what was like when you were kind of getting into that because you obviously had the exercise science background. Um did you feel like at the time, like that was effective training and and kind of how has your opinion evolved since then? Yeah. So um, I actually, and you know, I'm an unashamed um, retired cardio bunny, even through college, I loved like the 5am spin classes. God knows why. Um, lacrosse is a lot of endurance running based. So we would have like running sessions that were just like, Hey, go run 10 miles. And then you would come back and maybe do a little bit of ball handling at your second session that evening. Um, So cardio, I think, was always really 
um, woven into me. And then when I started at Orange Theory, I was still pretty fresh. In, well, I wouldn't say fresh, but I was still in that kind of cardio love affair, let's call it. Um, I was like, this is great. Endorphins are great. Uh, and then I started to learn more about the science and see, like, get more into strength training in my own um, life. And I was like, this is not enough. And it's also like women using 10, 15 pound dumbbells. And I would, I was always the coach that would walk up to members and be like, why are you using those? Um, so they loved me. And I was actually, I hated the tread. Um, and I was really big on row form. So that was like coach cam is going to help you with your rower and she's going to make you lift heavy weights, but it was a fun experience. I will say, uh, definitely shifted my view on dieting because being in it and always pushing another challenge and then doing the in-body weigh-ins for people. Um, it was just witnessing it firsthand and everybody's disappointment really kind of got me where I was, I think, but Fun fact, I actually worked at the busiest Orange Theory in the country here in Charleston, South Carolina. So it was like a really cool one to work at if you were going to do one. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of I got I started at a boot camp gym and ran a bunch of challenges. And it, it is it's like you, you start to realize uh, as much as you want to help people that just you see the same thing, the same people doing the challenge. That was the wake up call for me. It was like all these people are doing the same exact challenge because it, quote unquote, worked the last time. It's like actually, if it worked, you wouldn't have to do another one. So um, it kind of defeats the whole purpose of having to continue to do it. Uh, what were some of the things from the nutrition side that you were seeing with the like eight week challenges that were just um, causing people to fail and have to start all over? Yeah. So, well, mostly the number one thing is that nutrition isn't touched on at all in the challenges, which makes sense because Orange Theory is so super corporate and you can't really start giving advice, especially because most of their coaches only need to be like an ASM CPT or something like that. So they're not really supposed to. So I get why they avoided it. Um, and so when people knew that I had a background, I would get a lot of conversations and it was kind of like the same thing. And it's honestly kind of still the same thing that I see when I talk to a lot of clients. It's like not enough protein, either way too high on carbs or fats. Um, a lot of time at Orange Theory, it was carbs because runners are, have been like, oh, I need to carb up. And it's like, not for your like one mile Orange Theory class. Like you do not need to be eating this many carbs. Um, and then it was always just drastically low calories, especially for the challenges. It was like, okay, I'm going to take six classes a week and I'm going to cut my calories to 13 or 1200 because that way I will see the scale go down and be able to win this $50 gift card or whatever it was that we were giving away. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, how did you, how did like you kind of evolve your methodology in the way that you help clients now? Like what are some of the things that shifted for you and how did you come up with your current philosophy? What does that look like? Yeah. So, um, I had a lot of postpartum weight to lose. Um, the first year of Rowan's life was pretty much hell for me. Um, I followed all of the trends, all of the yo-yo diets, cut carbs. I was on this crazy diet where I could have like 40 grams of carbs a day. I was doing group fitness like six, seven times a week. Um, it was, I was not taking rest days. My body felt like crap. I felt like crap. And when I finally was like, so I call it my sweet potato moment. I actually tell a lot of my clients about this. Um, it was a day I'd opened Orange Theory. So I got up at like 3.30 a.m. I went 
taught the first four classes. So I was there from the 5 a.m. to the 9 a.m. I took the class after mine, like totally unfueled, maybe just like two coffees and some water and like a banana. Um, <laughs> got home, had like a salad. Rowan is like freaking out. Corey had, we used to switch our shifts. So Corey had to go to work. I had zero energy. And if you've ever tried like a super low calorie diet, like this one, I was probably eating like 10 grams of carbs a meal. So you're pretty much just eating protein. So I just like had a plate of like meat in front of me with like four strawberries. It was like so depressing and Rome was crying. And I just remember looking into my kitchen and seeing sweet potatoes on the counter and sweet potatoes have probably been one of my favorite foods for so long. Like I love sweet potatoes, breakfast style, mashed sweet potatoes. Like let's go like loaded sweet potatoes. That's my jam. And I just remember looking over and seeing them on the counter and being like, fuck this. I am eating a fucking sweet potato right now. I don't care. There has to be a better way. Um, so I like started with my diet and then I had a lot of friends who were, um, in Charleston, there's a really big bodybuilding industry. Um, two of our friends, I actually own like one of the biggest bodybuilding gyms in the area. And that's where I was taking personal training clients outside of Orange Theory. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. And so Trey was like, you got to stop doing cardio, start bodybuilding. And once I made the shift to actually eating and doing progressive overload and then just keeping like one cardio class for a week for fun so I wouldn't get bored is when I actually changed and saw that difference in my body and the weight came off so easy. I didn't feel like crap from just like over-exercising and restricting foods that I liked. And then that's when I was like, I need to tell everybody about this. Like every single person in the world needs to hear this because this works so much better. Yeah. So a couple questions. First, I'm going to play dumb for a second because I act I mean, I don't have to play dumb. I can just be myself. <laughs> um, but so why is that happening when like you hear calorie balance, energy balance, calories in, calories out, like you burn a lot of calories, even though there's only so much you can do. But like I've taken an orange theory class before you burn a lot of calories in one session um, and you're restricting, you're only eating like protein and very little carbs, like why isn't your body losing weight when you're doing that? And why when you eat more and then start lifting and doing progressive overload, but you're not really burning much per session. Um, if it's all about energy balance, you would think that the cardio and less food option would be more effective. Why is that not the case? Um, so a couple of reasons. Number one, calorie trackers like the Apple Watch and things that we use are not accurate on how many actual calories we're burning. That's something I always like to tell um, people in general. Like if you have a workout and it says you burned 800 calories, I highly doubt that. That is just like very inaccurate. Now, I think they're a great tool because they're consistently inaccurate. So I'm not saying like throw it out don't use it, but you should not be looking at that many calories and being like, this is how many calories I definitely burned today. Um, but aside from like the technology part of it, where we get kind of addicted to staring at our workout calories, especially at Orange Theory, where you get splat points and stuff. Um, metabolic adaptation is something that we talk about a lot. And that's pretty much so simple way to put it. Your body is just like the smartest piece of technology that will ever exist, right? It has one goal, and that goal is to keep you alive as long as possible. That's all it cares about. It doesn't, 
That's it. Doesn't care what you look like. It just knows it wants to survive as long as possible. So your body likes to be where your calories in equal your calories out. So if you are doing like a crazy amount of cardio and you're not eating a lot, your body will eventually match you where you are. So it will get rid of the things that it can't support because you're not giving it enough energy to support it or calories because that's where we get our energy. Um, so over time, if this becomes more drastic and consistent, what it starts to do is like lose your lean muscle mass. It'll be like, hey, I can't support this lean muscle mass. Let's get it out of here because it's trying to match where you are. Um, what this looks like for a lot of women is a plateau on a scale, but like an actual like real plateau. And then usually what happens is in your head, you're like, oh no, I'm not losing weight. I either need to walk 10,000 steps or take a couple more classes or cut my calories even lower. And then your body will still eventually keep going. Um, and so you're losing more and more lean muscle mass over time, which is very ineffective because your BMR, which is a measurement on your TDEE, so your total daily energy expenditure, is actually the higher that you can get that, the more calories you're going to burn at a resting state. And that pretty much depends on like overall mass and muscle mass. Um, so if you're losing your, your lean muscle mass, you're lowering your BMR, which just means it's going to be harder for you to continue losing. Because if you're not burning calories at a resting state, which is the majority of where your calories come from, you're constantly going to have to be working towards it. And eventually there's not going to be any way where you can continue to cut calories or add movement. You're just going to be like at a stalemate. Um, so strength training is more of a steady way to do it because you're um, building lean muscle. That should always be the goal, especially for women as we get older. Um, when you build lean muscle, you're sustainably increasing your BMR. So you're burning more calories throughout the day when you're doing things like watching TV or sleeping. Yeah, well said. Um, it, it seems like the process for improving your BMR, for building some lean muscle, like the eat more kind of move more way of doing things where I'm, I'm going to lift heavy, you know, maybe three, four, potentially five days a week. I'm going to go out for walks and I'm going to eat to support my activity and, you know, fuel appropriately seems like the more enjoyable and sustainable way. Why do people avoid it? Why is it so hard to something that feels very basic, very simple, why is it so complicated for most of us, for most people to, and, you know, speaking from experience, not, not coming from my high horse, but coming from somebody who spent 10 years as a chronic dieter. Um, why is it so difficult for us to finally learn the lesson? So I think you'll like this because it's um, psychology based. Um, so there's actually like a theory called the complexity bias. Um, super awesome stuff, but it pretty much just goes about how humans will never see the simple things as the solution. We refuse to acknowledge the simple, basic, foundational things as the reason we're not seeing progress or as the solution to our problems. And we immediately assume it has to be more complicated than that. So for what I experienced when I was doing it, for sure, is that I felt like if I was only strength training three or four times a week and I was eating that much food to where I didn't feel hungry or starving all the time. And I wasn't like trying to always be active or, and I was taking rest days. I was like, I am not 
doing enough. Like this is not going to work. This is too simple. Um, so there's like that um, psychology piece of it that I find really, really interesting. I love that theory a lot. And then also, I think that we are just programmed, especially women in the diet industry, like we have been programmed to be told to eat less and move more. So it questions everything that we've ever heard or witnessed uh, when someone's like, no, 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 eat more, do less. And then we're like, what? And it's slower. Like you're not going to get instant results. Like you really aren't. And it's sustainable. And we're also taught like, Hey, yeah, you can lose 20 pounds in six weeks. I see it all the time on Instagram. And it's like, uh, but what you don't see is one, that person's probably going to gain it back. And two, that a lot of that is coming from their muscle mass, which is just further making it harder and more frustrating down the road. Um, so I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, I love it. What uh, what do you do to help somebody who has that bias of that's too simple to work? It doesn't sound complicated enough, so it can't be the answer. Uh, how do you help somebody overcome that bias? You know, this is something that I even struggle with as a coach, because even for myself, when I was coaching people, it took me having my sweet potato moment where I like had my little freak out. Um, I've had a lot of success, like connecting with my clients and being like, listen, you've been trying it this way for years and years and years. You've been doing five, six, seven group fitness classes, and you've always been eating in a deficit. So hear me out. Why don't we just try it this way and actually like give it enough time, you know, and I think it's like a really great thing to acknowledge is like, if you're always trying to do it the short and quick way, but the short and quick way really doesn't work because you're still always trying to do it. Like, why not just try it the long way once? What yeah. do you have to lose? Yeah. That's always my go-to is like, if it would have, if it was going to work, it would have worked by now. And also like the need for instant gratification. It's like, well, let's pull from past experience. How's that worked out for you so far? Because you're still here looking for a solution which means we can now eliminate, like if by definition, if you're still looking for a solution, we can now eliminate everything you've tried as the solution because it would have, you wouldn't be looking anymore. You would have already had it. Like sometimes we try to connect on that logical level. Um, and, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think there is that natural, uh, just instinctual pull to be like, but no, there's part of me that thinks that somehow this time will be different. And, um, you know, I, I spent, like I said, 10 years in that cycle. So I know that I know the feeling of I'm somehow different and I'm going to be the exception to the rule. And, um, you know, sometimes you just have to learn the lesson the hard way. Definitely. And I think a lot of it, too, is like you see examples of people it worked for, right? Because they don't show you those same people six months or a year later. So in your head, you're like, oh, well, look, it worked for them. It worked for them. And then you get so excited about the results because you want those results that you don't stop and be like, well, what did they look like a year later? And I think it's important to start judging if a program does work by if their clients maintained that a year or two late, or a year or two down the road, because if they didn't, then it's not a program that worked. It served a purpose short term, but if they're not maintaining it, it's definitely not a solution. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, so I, every time I taught, like I speak openly against Optavia as like my favorite punching bag, um, just because so many people still do it, and it's it's shocking that they're as popular as they are. And without fail, anytime I post something and I talk shit about Optavia, 
inevitably I get comments of, well, my sister, my neighbor, my coworker, Susie is down 40 pounds and it's been six months. And I'm like, cool, great for Susie. Reach back out to me in a year and tell me where Susie is. And then we'll have a discussion. Even like I, we had a new client that signed up and it's like one of the most heartbreaking stories. She did Optavia for six years, religiously, diligently, like Christmas day, Optavia didn't eat like her processed Optavia food, no holidays, nothing. Pouches of powder. Pouches like celery sticks as her snacks six fucking years and all of that and she's you know the the psychological toll the metabolic toll the you know her metabolism is shot the fear of eating more the like you know loss of muscle mass the all like just a whole laundry list of things that fortunately we will help her repair but that's that's it. So I don't want to hear my my friend did it for a year. I you know this is somebody who did it for six years and it just made the problem worse. Um, and it's just one of those things where can you can you really see yourself doing that for the rest of your life? Because that's that's the ultimate litmus test of if you can't do it forever, why are you doing it at all? And um, I think you know one of the arguments that people make towards something like macro tracking is that it's they don't see that as the forever solution. How do you help somebody navigate like a tech, a tool like macros, which can be really great for awareness uh, versus I want to, you know, do something for the rest of my life. And maybe that doesn't fit in. Yeah. So, I mean, in our coaching program, we're very upfront with it. We do use macros. Um, we have a three phase method. Uh, we use macros and we've taught people who knew nothing about them or just came from like Weight Watchers or calorie counting. Um, And we do use it for the first two phases though. Um, And then on our third phase, we actually get them past where their goals are, get them to their goals. We help them reverse out of that because that's a big mistake a lot of people make staying in that calorie deficit, which eventually just leads to gaining the weight back. Um, And then we teach how to live life without macros. So then you move on to intuitive eating, but we do a lot making sure that you're confident in how to set up your plate, how often you should be eating. And then even like, even myself, I don't really track macros anymore, but once in a while, when I feel like I've been getting a little too loose, I might throw things on a scale just to get like a rebearing, but that's like maybe once every three weeks or so, maybe even longer. Um, So macros, I think, And I think a lot of people have kind of this thing with macros. They're like, well, I don't want to weigh my food. I don't want to put it into an app. That's unhealthy. And then they'll go. So you talk out a lot about uh, Optavia. I talk out a lot about intuitive eating coaches because then these same people will go hire an intuitive eating coach. And I'm like, hey, let's use our brain for a second. If you're hiring a coach who's teaching you intuitive eating, it's not intuitive eating because they're telling you what to do. So first thing, second thing, I think intuitive eating is great for maintenance. And I think that once you get to where you're happy in your clothes and your body and how you feel, great. That's when we'll teach you how to intuitively eat. But until you reach that, you kind of just intuitively ate yourself into a place of hating your body. Um, And then the quickest way to get out of that and the most efficiently, because we don't want to just take our clients' monies for longer than we need to, is to use a tool like macros, get you familiar with the portion sizes you're supposed to be having, and then move away from it. 
Yeah, the analogy that I always give with intuitive eating is like, without any awareness, would you jump into intuitive budgeting? Like, when I feel yeah. like spending, I'm going to spend. When my when my brain tells me to spend, I'm going to spend. And when I don't feel like spend, I won't spend. And I'm and hopefully, I'm going to have some money left over. And we're just going to hope for the best. Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And everything else, we go awareness first, and then it's the awareness and the education that allows us to make more informed decisions because we are very we're the like one of the best things that I ever admitted to myself that I constantly repeat is I am biased and I have blind spots and it's that admission to be able to say like yeah yes I I fully trust trust your gut trust your instincts all of that stuff is still valid but you also have to recognize that we are walking talking biases and we all have blind spots and if we come into it with that perspective, then we can use tools to create awareness to make more informed decisions. And then from that place of awareness, now we can go from for a more intuitive approach because we've already seen where the blind spots exist. Like intuitive, I underate protein and intuitively I ate way too many carbs or fats. But once I gained awareness and I understood what that looked like. And then I went back to intuitive, all of a sudden it looked very different. So um, I completely agree. How often do you see like the um, kind of like people jumping to issues along the lines of hormonal issues and gut health issues as being the reason why they can't lose weight when really it's just a lack of like consistency or quality habits or, or food quality. Like to your point about we don't ever want the simple answer to be the answer. Um, how yeah. often do we use hormone health and gut health as the scapegoat? And how often is it is it legit? So to be fully honest, I think, and I think it has a lot to do with just like my messaging and how I do talk about hormones and gut health and stuff. And we do use that in our coaching. Um, I think probably 90% of the people I talk to tell me that they think they can't um, get to where they want to be because of their hormones or their gut health or something that usually it's something that's buzzing on social media that you're is getting a lot of traction. And then once we get them into um, the program and we just get them consistent and get them eating the right balance of macros and switching out a lot of their processed food and supplements for actual food that they chew that has fiber and things like that, it just miraculously clears up and starts happening. Um, but, you know, to be fair, I think a lot of people don't understand how smart your body is and how simple hormones really are. And that if you're giving your body enough fuel and energy and enough of the right micronutrients, a majority of the time, like it's very, very rare that you have something that it won't just correct itself because a hormone imbalance is pretty much your body just saying like, yo, something's off and we need to fix it. And then you continue to ignore it and not fix it. And it gets more difficult to lose weight or you don't have energy and things like that. Yeah. And most of the time it's you're under eating, you're overtraining, you're not managing stress well enough or you're not sleeping well enough. And like anytime you're going to go through, anytime you go through any like protocol anyway, like somebody, you know, we have, um, functional nutritionist on staff and everybody always wants to jump to like testing and like here's the thing whether we do testing or not we're still going to start with the basics so why don't we start with the basics first and see if that alleviates the problem before 
you spend money on tests because everybody likes to point the, the finger like, no, it's it's not me. It's this thing over here. And it's like, hey, we're going to start here anyway. We're going to start with your lifestyle. We're going to start with your nutrition. We're going to start with movement and all these things. And so let's see if that fixes the issue. And then if it doesn't, that's where testing can actually be really helpful because then, and, and yeah. I think you're probably accurate in like 10%, I would say for us, it's like 1% of people who actually need some kind of like, Gut oh yeah, or but, something along those lines. <laughs> no, like we, and it's funny because one of my biggest, I'd say, love hate reels is like one of the only things on social media. I hate social media, by the way, that actually like performed well for me, and and I've gotten a lot of clients from it, and I've gotten a lot of people to this day still who message me and tell me I'm wrong and an idiot. But it's pretty much saying like I will save you hundreds of dollars. Do these things first before you go get your blood work done. Don't pay for it right now until you're consistently doing these things. And they're easy things like sleep seven hours, drink a hundred ounces of water, get out of a deficit and get over 25 grams of fiber um, and get outside for 20 minutes a day. Do these things and tell me if you don't feel better and start seeing results before you waste 300, 400, however much your doctor might charge you for blood draws. And I've actually had people love that reel, do it become a client or just join our community and message me about how much that changed their life. Cause they actually did it. And I've had other people tell me I'm going to make people have thyroid cancer cause they're not getting tested. Yeah. That's, that's usually the sign of something that was well said is that's always, anytime I write an email or do a podcast or do a reel or something, and I get a bunch of haters in my DMS and responding, then that's usually the best performing content. There's a reason why it's striking chord because most people need to hear it. Um, so when you say those yeah. things like sleep seven hours, get outside, eat quality food, you know, walk more, whatever. Um, but I, as you can tell, am a mom and I have a very busy life and I have so much on my plate and I do everything for everybody else. Like I don't have the time Cam, I don't have the time to sleep seven hours and I have to take care of my kids. Like, how am I supposed to do all these things? Um, So this is the biggest excuse that, and I'm a very much take it or leave it person. So I will preface that with this. And I never say it from a place of not love. I say it from love because I know that anybody can do these simple things. Um, Number one, be selfish. Uh, One thing that I think is really important for moms to remember, and I get caught up in this conversation a lot, even with like my mom friends, um, and I have a five-year-old. So they schedule a million events for their kids. Like they're in like dance, gymnastics, swim lessons, school during the week, and then all this stuff. And then they're like, I don't have time. Well, number one, who is scheduling all this stuff? Is your five-year-old you know, booking themselves in some classes? No. All right. So one thing that I think we suck at is making anxious kids. I think our generation is like just breeding the most anxious kids in the world because we don't let them chill. We expect them to get up Monday through Friday for school at like Ronis get up at 645 to make the car drop offline on time. And she is five years old. That is insane. Like, don't get me started on that. But like, so she hates it. During the week, she screams when I go in there to wake her up. She is definitely a me. We like to sleep and have slow mornings. Um, So on the weekends, why would I then schedule a thousand things to do? She doesn't want to do that. She's been forced all week long to do stuff. So then on the weekends, Corey and I 
wake up a little early and then he'll go to the gym and then I'll go to the gym. Rowan sleeps in on the weekends because she's so tired from waking up that usually by like 1030, she's had her breakfast. She's been hanging out and we're ready to go do something. And Corey and I have already gotten to the gym. Um, So another thing I think that moms kind of forget is that I can't tell you what I did before the age of eight. I don't remember what I was doing Saturday morning. I don't remember if we got to the beach early and got the good parking spot or whatever. Um, But I do remember if my mom was at my wedding. I do remember if my mom, you know, was able to play with my daughter. I'm going to remember if my mom ever meets Rowan's kids. And so that was our future you. And I think we get so caught up in present, like, I need to make sure they're doing this and this and this and this when they won't even remember that, that you put your own health aside and then it becomes an issue when you're older. Um, so that's the number one thing. Like moms, number one, it's a it's a weak excuse, guys. <laughs> it's a weak excuse. But number two, like you're just looking at it wrong. Like, and also I'm a jerk if I don't go to the gym a couple of times a week. Like I really am. Like I'm just irritable. I like to go to the gym. I like to make sure I'm fueling myself and getting enough sleep. And if I don't do those things, then my patience is less and I don't show up for her the way that I should because I'm pouring from an empty cup. Yeah. How much do you think is like unrealistic standards that we set uh, or, or like maybe, you know, mom set like if I can't get to the gym five days a week, then I'm not going to go at all because it's not worth it. Because why bother? If I can't eat perfectly, then I'm just going to eat like an asshole because it's not perfect. So why bother? Like how much of it is a, I'm setting these like unrealistic standards and that during this phase of motherhood, especially when kids are younger and your time is being consumed more by like their stuff, you might just have to shift what that looks like, like maybe two days a week or three days a week. And maybe it's at home and maybe it's 30 minute sessions is perfectly fine. And maybe it's just trying to get some protein at each meal and it's not perfect uh, across the board. Like how much do you think it's a standards thing like this all or nothing? If I can't do it all, then I'm doing nothing. So I think it's a little bit of a standards thing, but I think it's mostly a scapegoat. I think your child kind of becomes the scapegoat. And like for most people who have kids, you know, they're obviously married or in some type of relationship that's stable. You have like your kid life. So like it's hard to like care. Like I I joke around and say it all the time. It's like, yeah, Corey, I don't have my abs anymore. We've been married eight years. We have, I have a beautiful daughter. What does it matter? But like some, I think some people really kind of take it a little too far and then they use their, their kid as the scapegoat. When one of the most ruthless things I ever did to a couple of my clients who were getting a little too into the scapegoat, like, oh, well, I want to spend time with my kids on the weekend and we like to go out to eat. And then I don't have time to meal prep. I was like, okay, cool. Just send me your screen time report at the end of every day, please. Yeah. Just go ahead and screenshot that and send it over and we'll we'll go ahead and rearrange your time so we can see. Also, if you're hanging out with your kids and you want it to be real quality time to the point where like you can't even go work out or take them with you and put them in the gym childcare, then like you shouldn't be on your phone with them. Yeah. Are they just like sitting on an iPad eating drive through food from Chick-fil-A and you're saying that's quality time? It's not. <laughs> All right. Let's take a brief pause here to talk about Cured Nutrition. We should all want to talk about Cured because because Cured is doing the work. 
that most of us need, that most of us don't want to talk about. We don't want to talk about the fact that we're overstressed. We don't want to talk about the fact that we're probably not getting enough quality sleep. We don't want to talk about the fact that we're probably overly anxious. Those aren't sexy, exciting topics, but what Cured is doing is they are solving those problems. They are giving you answers. They're giving you solutions. And so let's not look a gift horse in the mouth. Let's just accept the fact that they are doing incredible work and accept those gifts that they are giving. The way that we do that is we admit that we're probably overstressed. We admit that we're probably not getting enough quality sleep. We admit that we're maybe a little too anxious. And so what we do after we admit that is we take action. And the way that we take action is we take advantage of the solutions that are available to us. With Cured, you've got the Serenity Gummies to help with sleep. My favorite product. I take them every single night. Serenity Gummies to help with sleep. They also have a sleep bundle that you can use on top of the Serenity Gummies if you really want to double down on quality sleep. You can also take the Calm Caps if you recognize that anxiety is a little bit higher than it should be. Calm Caps are a great product. You can take them any time of day. And if you're overly stressed, again, it starts with sleep, but they have some uh, CBD. You can do the uh, broad spectrum. Uh, the You can do the um, CBD oil. You can just look at their, their line of products and get 15% off any of their products. I've been digging the Serenity Gummies, of course, my favorite. The Calm Caps are great for anxiety. And really, they have something for anyone who is struggling with sleep, stress, anxiety. And uh, you just need something to calm the brain down, to calm your anxiety down, to get you into a good state of sleep. And if you go to curednutrition.com and you use code POPFAM at checkout, you can get 15% off. Highly recommend the Serenity Gummies. I also recommend the Calm Caps. And I've also been taking the Rise product if I need a little extra focus. Uh, again, another common issue that we that we all have. Sometimes we struggle to stay attentive, and the Rise product is great for focus and productivity. And uh, they're just amazing people uh, doing such incredible work. So go to curednutrition.com, use the code POPFAM, P-O-P-F-A-M, get 15% off, sleep better, manage your stress more effectively, reduce your anxiety. They've got you covered. Cured Nutrition is the place to go. The website is curednutrition.com. The code is POPFAM. And now let's get back to the episode with Cam Brown. I think that, uh, I, do, I agree. I think it's uh, it's it's an easy excuse. Um, like I, one of the things that I, when I was actively coaching people, uh, I remember I had a client and she would always, and now as, as a man, I have to tread lightly because I'm not a mom. <laughs> Um, even though I tried to play one earlier, but I am not. And, um, but I do have three step kids and I see what Mel goes through and how she manages everything. And she gets in five workouts a week and she gets in 10,000 steps a day and she has two jobs and she does it all. So I know that it can be done. Um, but I would have clients who would be like, uh, one in particular that was coming to mind and she would say like, Oh, well, you know, my nutrition went to shit because my kid got sick and I would just say, okay, help me understand how your kid being sick impacted what you chose to put in your mouth. It's like, well, well, it was just, it was just like really crazy and hectic. And I just like grabbed things out of convenience. 
And I was like, okay, so it would it be accurate to say that it wasn't your kid being sick. It was just that we don't really have a good process for you dealing with stress other than using food as an outlet. And then we got to like the root of the issue, which is anytime you get a little bit like frazzled, you immediately turn to food and overindulge. And that's probably the thing that we should work on and maybe stop connecting it to your kid. And it was like one of those moments that probably could have gone horribly wrong for me, but she received it well. Um, yeah. But I think sometimes I it's, think that's just, coaching. it's it's easier that way to just be like, no, it's it's not it's not how I'm handling things. It was just this thing over here, right? Like nobody can force you to put anything. Hopefully not, but like it's you make that choice, and then we decide to connect it to something else because it's a little bit of an easier pill to swallow to say this life event or this thing happened and that caused me to do this and it kind of pushes ownership onto somebody else and you know unfortunately that's just kind of like a natural thing that we do um do you is there like a process that you have to help people with that ownership because i know you're like a, a no bs no excuses type of person um is it just having those tough conversations what's your process yeah. So, um, number one, I ask all of my clients when they start how they are with self accountability, like how they are with like reflecting on their actions and like raking themselves on a scale of like one to 10, like how they did. So we do weekly assessments. Um, and one of the things on there, we have like a form that they fill out with some questions, of course. Um, but a lot of it is more of like a self-assessment for parts of it, just to see if they're holding themselves accountable, accountable. Um, they have to tell me if they are following the plan 100% or only some of the time. That's the question that they hate. Those are the two those are the two, like all the time following the plan, only some of the time. And then after that, they have to like rank on a scale of one to 10. Um, if they planned, did I plan and prepare for this week? Scale of one to 10. One, didn't do shit. 10, yes, prepped everything. Um, and it's not really to make them feel guilty. We also do like a compliance score, which is really simple. They completely control it. It's just like, how well they hit their numbers and fiber, whatever those goals are for them. So they can get five points a day over the week. That's 35 total. And then I give them a grade. Um, so we just give them a percentage grade. This works really well because it is so cut and dry that it kind of allows us to have talking points about, you know, all the things. So if they're ranking themselves really high on those questions, saying they follow it all the time, saying they planned, prepped or whatever. But then when we look over like their macros movements, those numbers and their compliance score is like 40%. It's like, all right, so why do you think your compliance score for this week is this? And why did you feel like you did good? And sometimes it's like, okay, life happens, which is really important. Life does happen, guys. I do not expect anyone to be perfect. There are weeks I am a total wreck and Rowan is running around screaming and I'm like, I just want goddamn takeout. And we get it, you know, um, but then if it's a trend, then it becomes a more serious conversation like, hey, so we need to just break down like, why do you think you did so well this week? And what did you plan and prep? And it's usually self-accountability or self-assessment that most people struggle with. And it's hard. Is I remember when I and I still struggle with it sometimes as a mom, as a business owner. Sometimes I don't want to just say like, I was too tired to plan my day tomorrow. You don't want to say that because then you're at fault. <laughs> it's my fault that I don't have anything in the fridge. 
it's my fault. I didn't go to the gym because I think the majority of us have a partner who's supportive. Um, I'm super lucky. Corey will do whatever he needs to do so I can make a workout. And I'm the same for him. Like we will rearrange our schedule and most wives and husbands have that. So at the end of the day, I think that's what everybody really struggles with. Yeah. And I think sometimes there's this idea that that the planning or the preparation has to be this big whole long ordeal. And I know like, I know we're very similar in this. Like I have never prepped a food in my life. I've never done containers of whatever bulk. Sh- I, it's <laughs> quick and convenient. My, my meal prep is whatever we make for dinner. That's what I'm having the next day. My breakfast is quick. It's like eggs, egg whites, and some, some other additional protein. And then usually like throw a carb in there. It takes no more than 10 minutes. We always have bags of frozen veggies that you can throw in the microwave for like three and a half minutes and they're ready. Um, we usually do some kind of a meal delivery service that you can throw. Um, we'll usually do just like the bulk protein option. So we could throw in like chicken, steak or salmon or something like that and have that done in four minutes. Like legit, if it takes longer than 20 minutes, I'm out and it's not that complicated. Yeah. Uh, what are other things you do for like efficiency or or even some other misconceptions that people think it has to be such a long convoluted process. Yeah. So we're very similar in that aspect. I hate meal prepping. I am not a Pinterest meal prepper. You will never catch me with like these perfect glass containers and everything portioned and our fridge is a wreck. Um, One huge thing that we do is we Instacart our groceries every week. So it doesn't even cut out of our family time and we get protein packed things and convenience things. Like you said, we have a bunch of steamable veggies like in the freezer, super cheap, super affordable. We always stock up on like fruits and then we get a lot of protein. So like Greek yogurt, shrimp cocktail, different meats, depending on what we're making. Um, So I don't ever do that. We're really good at bulk prepping the protein. Like we just get like a huge pack of chicken breast, season it like three different ways, split it up. And then Corey will grill it. And then we just have it in the fridge sliced and ready to go. So the protein is the part that takes the longest. So if I have that chicken breast, I can throw it on a salad kit. I can microwave a bag of veggies to have with it. And like, we'll usually bulk prep rice as well, because I hate microwavable rice because there's a lot of fat in it to preserve it. And I like to spend my fats on foods I actually enjoy and not just being added to things. Um, So we do bulk prep um, rice. And then I did some self-assessing. And I know that if I don't have like a full, easy heat meal for lunch, I'm not going to eat. I'm going to get caught up in working. I'm just not going to eat. So um, lunch is the only meal that I prep for my Monday through Thursday are my busy days. So Monday through Thursday, I have like, and we have like really simple recipes that we make every week. It's like an enchilada bowl or something like that. I always have that in the fridge because I realized after repeating the same cycle again and again and again, that I needed to have a better option that was just like thoughtless and easy for that. Um, But I think people just try to take it too far and they try to be perfectionist or they see these crazy recipes and they don't know how to track food yet. So how do you track like this big recipe? And it's like, well, keep it simple in the beginning, just like have everything separate and don't worry about these big casseroles and things like that. Um, I think a lot of it's pretty much that we're that we're talking about. uh, It kind of comes down to the same thing. It's like 
I, I have this idea in my head of what it is supposed to look like. And because I can't obtain that level of perfection, I'm just going to do nothing. Or I assume that, you know, with my schedule with my kids that I don't have the time to get to the gym five days a week. So I'm not going at all, or I can't, you know, hit my nutrition perfectly. So I'm just screw it. Why bother? I think at the end of the day, those are all kind of tricks that your brain is playing on you to keep you in your current situation. And it's, it's a fear. It's just a fear of failure. It's a fear of doing the work of making a change of having to do things differently of getting outside of your comfort zone. Like anytime you're ready and wanting to make a change, it's going to be met with resistance because you have a current routine that is known and familiar. And you mentioned like the only thing that your body cares about is survival. So anything that feels like a, a shift in the norm is perceived as a threat. Like, uh oh, we can't change because that's scary and that is a threat. But it's also the, the thing that is slowly killing you because if you stay in that current situation, not only are you unfulfilled and unhappy, but it could also actually be physically killing you. And then we end up making rash decisions like weight loss drugs or injections, which I know you're a huge fan of. Uh, that's so funny. I thought you might be leading into that because it's true. We just want the easy way. We want to take the easy way and changing your lifestyle habits are hard. That's a hard thing to do. It's hard to have this routine for five, 10, maybe even longer, however many years you've had it and realize it's not serving you because here you are at a place where you don't like yourself or how you look, or you want to change something. So you have to change what you've been doing every day. And we instinctually don't want to create new habits as adults. We are just like, you know what, is it even worth it? And then it comes down to like, that little argument you have with your own voice, I feel like in your head, like, do I really want to do this? Or uh, is it okay because I'm married and have kids and my life is good? Is it selfish of me to want to do this? Is it selfish of me, especially mom guilt? I feel like you get so much mom guilt. And there's always so many people that have an opinion when moms start like weighing their food or trying to go to the gym or like this year, I missed Rowan's first day of kindergarten because on Wednesday mornings, I go to the gym. If I don't go to the gym Wednesday morning, that day is so packed with meetings and things like I won't get to the gym on Wednesday and then it messes up my whole split. First day of school this year happened to be a Wednesday. That's just the day Corey brings her. I had so many people be like, why didn't you post a picture of Rowan on the first day of school? Because I wasn't friggin' there and Corey cannot do anything with her hair for the life of him. So she looked like trash. <laughs> we posted a second day of school picture when it was my morning to take her. But so many moms wouldn't be able to do that. They would have this like pretense, like preconceived notion in their head that they were a terrible mom because they weren't there taking the little Instagram worthy picture with a little sign that said like first day of school. Um, and the truth is, is like, can any of us remember our first day of kindergarten? No, <laughs> like, no, you can't. We get so concerned about all these things and they're ridiculous. Um, so that's how I've learned to get over the mom guilt. Well, I and now to... I just laugh at it. <laughs> that that post was actually my favorite post of yours when you posted about not going to the first day of school because you went to the gym and you talked about it um, from like the perspective of I have to take care of myself first so I can take care of, you know, the people that I care about. and 
like this is part of my routine. I have to do it. If I don't go to the gym, I'm like a much, uh, you know, I'm not there for my family the way that I should be. It messes with my mood and my well-being and all the things. And I just thought it was like a perfect example of things that we like create for ourselves, problems that we create for ourselves. And we're like, I can't do this because of this, but like, actually you can, you're making an active choice to do it where you absolutely can build a routine that includes going to the gym, however many times you want or whatever works with your schedule. Um, it's just kind of like this, this self-imposed belief that at any point in time, you can choose differently. You had, uh, you had yeah, mentioned something, um, about your lunch and how you, uh, have to have something like ready to go microwavable or you don't eat, uh, which I feel like is a common issue that a lot of women talk about, like, well, I'm just not hungry. I'm busy. So I don't eat. And then they either end up overindulging or they're chronically under eating without being aware of it. Um, how do you help somebody with the concept of like, you might actually have to eat more and be like more aware of getting regular meals in to get the results that you want. And, you know, I, I can't relate to the whole, I'm so busy. I forgot to eat type of thing, but how do you, how do you help people with that? I think it's a girl thing to be 100% honest. It's like girl math. Um, don't even try to understand it. You won't. Um, but honestly, our, one of our taglines is eat the damn food. I think almost a hundred percent of our clients come in under eating, um, always chronically under eating. We put them at their maintenance level calories so we can like sort some things out on like an internal base and work with hormones and things like that. And every single person is like, this is so much food. I've never eaten so much food, but then lo and behold, they're down inches and then the scale starts going down. So it's really tough. And for me, I was a chronic under eater. When I was a little cardio bunny, I probably under ate my whole life, which is why when I was pregnant and I actually was like having crazy hunger cues and I was told that it was fine to like eat whatever, that's why I blew up. Not only was I like not working out the last like three months of my pregnancy, but I was just like, food, holy crap, why have I never eaten this much before? Um, and what I had to do when I started, got over like the chronic under eating diets, trying to lose the weight was I just set alarms on my phone. I didn't feel hungry. And it's actually really normal to not feel hungry when you've been under fueling for so long, because it's not that your metabolism is broken or anything like that. It's just that it's going to take you a little bit to have those hunger cubes and hunger cues and to actually like get that urge. Like now every morning I wake up, I'm awake for 15 minutes and my stomach is like growling. Depending on how active I was the day before, sometimes I wake up because I'm hungry before my alarm. Um, but it's going to take a little while to like get there and repair that and rebalance the hormones that are off from chronically under eating. Your body, like we've said, and like I always say, is really, really smart. So if it's been constantly telling you it's hungry and you've just ignored it for so long, hormones go off and then they just like stop. It just stops bothering. It's like, well, this isn't working. So I'll feed myself by getting rid of my lean muscle mass and holding on to some extra fat. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned eat the damn food and then setting an alarm to get like the amount of calories that you need. And sometimes that can be a process and it can take your body some time to catch up. Um, I had somebody who reached out to me and basically was like, 
some people just can't do that. Like some people just can't eat very much. And that's just the hand that we were dealt. Um, what's your experience? Like, how do I, if I'm somebody who has been trying to under, you know, trying to cut calories, I'm trying to lose weight. I've been on this dieting train for a long time. And, you know, I likely know that I need to eat more, but it's a hard concept for me to wrap my brain around. And every time I try to eat more, like the scale goes up and I get freaked out. And then I cut my calories. Like, how do I get to a place of, knowing what's what's quote unquote normal or appropriate for me like what's the most effective process to get there when i feel like every time i try the scale goes up and i cut calories again oh easy take the scale away um <laughs> i tell so many of my clients that are scale obsessed and it's actually a workshop that we do um pretty regularly um and it's called scale obsessed and it's really great because you you can't let the scale be the only metric to your success. And for the majority of women, that scale has been the only metric of their success for so long and they're not succeeding. So why do you keep listening to it is my number one thing. Um, there are so many other things that you should be tracking outside of the scale, especially like, let's talk about it. If the scale is increasing at the beginning of your journey, there's a couple of reasons, like scientifically backed reasons why. Number one, the presence of more food in your intestines. At any given time, you're eating more, you stand on a scale, you have more food present in your body. So it weighs something. It's going to go up just because of the food in your body. Number two, if you, most of my women are chronic low carb dieters. So that's like one of the first things we have to correct. Like, no, you can eat carbs. They're actually really beneficial for you. It'll help your sleep, blah, blah, blah. Um, and carbs are carbohydrates. What's the last part of that word that we always cut out? Hydrates. People don't understand that carbs naturally retain water in your body. So when that scale shoots up, when you increase them, it's just because you're naturally holding more water weight. It's not fat. It's not anything. It's just water weight. And it's actually going to improve the quality of your life because you've probably been pretty chronically dehydrated if you haven't been eating any carbs. Um, and then the last one, which is hopefully what's happening is your body like might finally be letting you like redevelop some muscle mass because if you've been in a chronic calorie deficit, you're not able to develop muscle. So if you jump into a program where you increase your food and you increase your strength training and maybe cut down on your cardio, yeah, the scale is going to go up. And hopefully it's because of those first two. And then maybe because you're starting to de um, develop some lean muscle mass and get some strength back. But just depending on the scale is just a common mistake, common misconception, but it's so done. And so that's like something that we do a lot is we're like, hey, we're going to track some other metrics and we're going to get rid of the scale for this first month or two if it's really weighing on them like emotionally. Awesome. Um, if anybody needs help with that process, um, where how can they get some support from you? Like, where's the best place to connect with you and just, um, you know, stay up to date on all the stuff that you're doing? Yeah. Um, so obviously on all the social medias, Instagram and Facebook, we have an awesome Facebook community. Um, and that would probably be the best place to go. We do free live trainings in there and all the things. Um, Instagram, I do lots of like reels and respond to my DMs pretty quickly. So um, on Instagram, um, cams, C or C-A-M-B-904. And then on Facebook, I'm Cam Michelle Brown. 
Awesome. And what's the name of the Facebook group? It's Macro Tracking and Fat Loss for Adults. Awesome. All right. I will post all of that in the show notes so everybody can go join the group and follow Cam. And I appreciate your time and we will chat soon.